Welcome into the Sports Objective. We appreciate everyone tuning in, whether it's via our YouTube channel or Facebook or pretty much anywhere podcasts are found, you can find us. This is the second part of Remembering the Voice, a tribute to Jeff Charles. On part one, a few days ago, we were joined by longtime Wake Forest play-by-play voice Stan Cotton, Marshall play-by-play voice Steve Cotton, who met Jeff um, back in 2001. And um, that was obviously when the Pirates were unable to hold on to a 38-8 to halftime lead against the Marshall Thundering Herd down in the GMAC Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Um, you also heard from color analysts and Pirate greats Kevin Monroe and Andrew Bays. And also, uh, last but certainly not least, Brian Pays, more commonly known as B. Pays, who worked alongside The Voice when he was an ECU student in the mid-90s, as well as for several years at Pirate Radio. On this show, you're going to hear in just a few minutes from Navy play-by-play voice Pete Medhurst and former ECU strength and conditioning coach Jeff Connors. Before we go to those interviews, I wanted to share some of my experiences and interactions that I had with The Voice over the years. Jeff, of course, arrived to Greenville and East Carolina University prior to the 1988 season. However, um, my first real memory of Jeff uh, came in that 1989 football season uh, when I was eight years old, you know, watching the coaches show with my dad, uh, the Bill Lewis show. Jeff, of course, was the host, and he was introducing that tremendous staff that Bill had assembled uh, to the Pirate fans and promoting the season opener against Bowling Green. Uh, urging Pirate fans to to fill Fickland Stadium as it was as excuse me as it was at the time uh, for that initial game of the Bill Lewis era. Uh, later that season, my family and I traveled um, to watch us play a pit team that was ranked 19th in the country, coached by uh, Mike Gottfried and part of the the famous broadcasting duo uh, to come uh, as it was at the time uh, with Ron Franklin uh, throughout the 90s and uh, early 2000s. Uh, on ESPN, um, you know, we, of course, had made that lengthy drive up to Pittsburgh on Friday afternoon. And late that afternoon, I uh, went over to old Pitt Stadium to watch the Pirates go through their light workout or walkthrough. And um, while roaming the stadium and giving ourselves uh, a little tour, if you will, uh, we ran into Jeff and the Pirate Sports Network um, as they were setting up for Saturday's broadcast had the chance to talk to him for a few minutes and uh, that game um, recall it very well. Uh, as I mentioned, Pitt was ranked 19th and the game uh, was played in snow flurries and really, really cold, obviously. And um, what a heartbreaking loss that was for the Pirates. Uh, one of many uh, narrow uh, heartbreaking defeats in 89 and 90 uh, before the Pirates found a way to win all those close games with the exception of the Illinois game in 1991. Uh, that day against Pitt, uh, the Pirates built a 21-0 lead um, before falling 47-42. to I uh, also have a picture from around that same era of myself and um, my sister Lee and my, my dad, or our dad, Gary. Uh, we were uh, with the voice, as you see there on the screen, uh, in the old Minji's, um, this was about five or six years prior to the renovations um, that took place in late 1994. And then, of course, it uh, was opened in January of 95. But uh, this was during the Mike Steele era. As you can see, my sister and I have on Steelworkers t-shirts. And then on the back, it had Minji's Steel Mill Local. 
Um, so some excellent memories there. And uh, when the voice passed last Friday evening, when I received the news, I immediately thought of this picture and I had my dad uh, take a picture of it and send it to me. Um, as we were, you know, grieving or celebrating Jeff's life over the weekend and um, up to this point. But um, getting back to things, some other memories that I had of Jeff, um, you know, throughout my childhood and there in the late 80s and really up through the 1990s, um, there was so little TV coverage. Um, so many of my childhood memories of East Carolina football games, if I was not in attendance, was of Jeff, Carlester Crumpler Sr., Marty Fuhrer bringing us the call on the radio. Um, there were occasionally those games that were broadcast on television, and a lot of times um, it would mean us going to a sports bar and being able to watch on satellite uh, where the voice would team up with Cliff Stout or Willie Lanier or someone else um, to bring those games to the Pirate Nation uh, you know, via whatever regional uh, station, you know, be it WNCT or WITN. And um, a lot of a lot of those calls, you also had Billy Weaver, former sports director at WITN, on the call as color analyst. Um, as most longtime Pirate fans um, do, I love the calls of the Peach Bowl win over NC State when Jeff exclaimed, you can paint these peaches purple. I'm saying, oh, my. And, you know, it came down to the last play one more time. And then you also had um, the Pittsburgh game where the Pirates won 24-23. And in that game, and, and Jeff Blake, of course, engineered that drive in the final couple minutes and was able to um, score the touchdown and then also take in an option keeper for the two-point conversion as the Pirates uh, won that game 24-23 and improved to 6-1 and one on the season. Um, another call that isn't nearly uh, is talked about, but in 2013 – uh, when the Pirates defeated the Tar Heels 55-31 in Chapel Hill, I was able to be at Keenan Stadium that day, but uh, had the chance to hear the replay of the voice and Kevin Monroe painting the picture of uh, North Carolina heading to the locker room right after the game ended. They didn't bother to shake hands with the Pirates, and I always found that pretty comical. Um, another call, um, shifting over to the basketball side, clearly not as many um, – Excellent calls there uh, for obvious reasons, but uh, Jeff's call of the 1993 CAA title game uh, when the Pirates took down James Madison up at the Richmond Coliseum, that was so memorable. Uh, I have excellent memories of my dad and I being able to be in attendance that night, but um, and that call was on the Reflection CD that was sold there in the mid-'90s that had so many of Jeff's top calls uh, for football basketball, as well as some 1990 uh, baseball calls. Um, after hearing of Jeff's passing, you know, I've literally listened to hours of his calls over this last week or so, um, and what great memories. And um, as good of a announcer and broadcaster as Jeff was, he's an even better human being. And as an adult, I've had the opportunity to interact with Jeff on numerous occasions, be it after games, Pirate Club functions. Uh, we were blessed to have him come on the sports objective at least three or four times over the last five years. And he was always there. Um, if we had a question about something, uh, he would do his best to help us and point us in the right direction. 
and give us the information we were seeking. Uh, you know, over the last couple of years, I've had the opportunity to get to know former East Carolina basketball greats, uh, now Charlotte resident, Gabe Mikulas. Gabe and I traveled to a few games together over the last couple of seasons. And after a couple of those games uh, in Greenville, we were able to hang around and wait till the broadcast was over and speak to the voice as he and um, Michael Perry finished describing the action. And then obviously Cy Seymour as well. And uh, th that meant so much to, to Gabe to be able to see Jeff again. And, and it was almost as Gabe had never left, uh, even though it was nearly 20 years later, uh, Jeff interacted with Gabe and was so glad to hear he is doing well and uh, in the state of North Carolina, now living in Charlotte. Um, now, without any further ado, let's go to our conversation with Navy play-by-play -play voice Pete Medhurst. Um, Pete had a relationship with Jeff going back to the early 1990s uh, when East Carolina and Old Dominion were in the CAA uh, when Pete was working for a radio station there in Tidewater, Virginia. And let's go to that conversation with Pete Medhurst of the Navy Midshipman right now. As we're remembering the voice, Bubba, another great guest here is a guy that we've talked to numerous times, and I would love to be talking to him about basketball, life, anything but this topic, but happy to have Pete Medhurst, the play-by-play -play voice of the Navy Midshipman. Pete, thank you so much for coming on tonight, and uh, it's been, a, like I was telling you in the green room, a, a tough few days, as you, as you can imagine, here in Pirate Nation. Yeah, I, you know, obviously I wish we were talking under completely different circumstances. But, you know, I mean, Dave, Bubba, I go back to when I was running the score 1310 in Norfolk, which is now 94-1. It's morphed into that uh, back in the 90s. And ODU and EC were still playing each other, obviously, as members of the CAA. And that's when, that's when I first got uh, introduced to Jeff. And, you know, when you think of what he has meant uh, to, you know, to pirate nation. I mean, and he has been pirate nation. When you think about it, he's been able to deliver that message every day since 1988. And, you know, I feel fortunate enough that I've been with the Naval Academy since 1997. And that's, when you think about it, that's nine more years that Jeff has been a part uh, of, you know, pirate nation. And as I tell you guys all the time, you know, it's as awesome a fan base as you'll find in college sports. It may not have, in terms of people, as big a following just on sheer numbers as some of your, you know, power five schools who, you know, play place like Central Florida's got 60,000 people every year. So you think of all those alumni and you add all that up. But what Jeff did for Pirate Nation, bringing every game with so much passion, so much energy, but more importantly, the dude was first class. and you know, that's, I think that's why all of the memories have been, uh, you know, and, and seeing what people have shared on Twitter, like Joe D'Ambrosio, Bruce Howard, you know, guys that Jeff has had, you know, relationships with uh, through the years and all the other great broadcasters who've chimed in on it. And I think that is what tells you fellas exactly who he was, what he meant to all of us. But more importantly, as you all know, um, you all got to, to work with him, be around him. Uh, to, to know what it meant to, to the fans there in Greenville, um, it, it, it's it's hard. It really is. It's hard to think that the next time we all get together, unfortunately, Jeff is not going to be with us. But we know 
ECU certainly has that guardian angel on their shoulder right now. No doubt about it. It's crazy, Pete, because there were people saying to me, you know, uh, people have asked the question, when is he going to retire? You know, and I heard some rumblings and I know it's been said from by other media members, like in a year or two, he would probably retire. And so when I heard that rumblings and whatever you want to call it, then I was like, wait a minute. Um, basically since 1988, I was 15 years old, virtually most of uh, all my adult life and a little bit of the teenage years have been with Jeff Charles. And it's kind of corny to say, but it's like when you admire someone, it's really weird. But basically what happened is he's one of the reasons I got into broadcasting. You listen to his play-by-play work, as I know you have, and you know, you idolize him. You want to be like him, even though you know you're not going to be like him. Um, and that's one of the reasons I went into broadcasting. And then when you have fast forward to 1996, I started working with him and he tells you that you have talent and that he listens to you. That's a really big deal. It was adult contemporary station that we, it was a flagship station at the time in Greenville at 94.3. And he said, I listened to you. I listened to you on the ride home and he gave me a lot of encouragement. That's when I first met him and I've learned there's so many stories um, that I could share. One thing I'll tell you guys, I'm going to pitch it to Bubba because he's patiently waiting. The guy had a memory like nobody's business, number one, but he could do a commercial better than anybody. I've worked with hundreds of disc jockeys, and I haven't worked with you in that uh, the production was. His nickname, uh, for people that don't know, was One Take Charles. The guy <laughs> could do a commercial, and and commercial after commercial. You know how, the, how football is with all the commercials you have to record and remembering everything? Those of us like me, I have to record it several times. I have to, now that we have uh, a lot of computers and different things that we can, bells and whistles we can do, the guy was doing reel-to-reel great. If it's any kind of technology, it didn't matter, whatever you throw at him. And that was impressive to me is the fact the guy could do production. I mean, it was second to none. That's But that's the way he did everything was second to none. There was no way in the world that he was going to give you, like you said, there's no way 25% or 50%. And there may be days he didn't feel great, but he didn't as far as just being tired. I'm not talking about being like a sickness like he had way back in the day, but you would have never known it. And um, I think one more thing, Bubba, and I promise I'll put you to you is the fact that I was thinking about this today, Pete, you're very accessible. Uh, you come on our show a lot, but there's some radio DJs we work with that are not accessible. They're not very friendly. They're not, you know, like for the fan base for the Naval Academy is a little different, I know, but there's a lot of fans across the nation, of course, that loved the, uh, the Naval Academy, went there, all that kind of thing. But as far as uh, with Jeff, he was very approachable for 35 years. Just think about all the relationships, just like when you were talking about 1997. So that's what's amazing. Thousands of people. And he, the great thing about Jeff is like a great friend that you haven't seen in years. And when you see him, he's, he's the same guy. He never changed. And that always meant a lot to me. We talked at the media day back in August. He and I, he knows how much I love wrestling, and he had a little bit of a indie promotion he did back last summer, and I was talking to him about that, and I'm grateful. He just sat down, and we started talking at the media day before Mike Houston spoke, and I'm glad I had that chance. I would have never guessed in a million years we would be talking about this tonight in February, but uh, anyway, Bubba, thanks for your patience there. I just uh, It's really hard for me to, to deal with this, like a lot of people in Pirate Nation, but... Uh, one way or another, we don't have a choice to get through it. And sometimes I think it's uh, when people say it's your time, that's the only thing I can um, process this whole thing is I guess it was his time to go, unfortunately for us. But 
good for him that he's in a better place. Yeah, Pete, uh, you mentioned how uh, your relationship with Jeff Charles uh, goes back to the Colonial Athletic Association days when you were working in Norfolk, Virginia. Obviously, East Carolina and Navy um, became you know, competitors, um, I guess the first time was in 2006, and then a few years later, or I guess several years later, rather, um, in the American Athletic Conference uh, beginning in 2014. But um, the programs from 2006 to to present have played uh, fairly regularly. And uh, with that being the case, um, talk about how you had the opportunity to get to, to know Jeff even better. Uh, you know, the thing I'll never forget when we first started playing them and we hadn't played down in Greenville yet. And Jeff said, wait till you come play at our place. I guarantee you the food's going to blow you away. And of course, in a press box, that's the first thing. We don't even care how the booth is. We just want to know what's the press food going to be like. And, you know, he was not lying. And uh, we talk about that all the time, uh, obviously pre-COVID. Uh, when the the food in, in a lot of press boxes, you know, was was one way or the other. But that was the one thing that he guaranteed um, when we came down there. That was the one thing we were going to love about it. And, uh, you know, but he, he always came he always came to you with a smile. You know, hey, anything you need to, to know about our guys or anything like that. But I also go back to, you know, when I was in Norfolk, anytime we wanted Jeff to come on the show. And, Dave, you mentioned the accessibility earlier. Um Always made time for you. Didn't matter. Didn't matter if he had to move something around, whatever. Um, he always made time for you. And when people do that, people don't understand. You know, when you make time for people, if you tell the people that you're talking to one thing that they can take from that interview, useful information, whatever, you've helped that person get smarter about the game they're covering, about the sport they're covering. Uh, and I think that's just. I think that's why we always need to be accessible for one another. You know, our conversations that we have through the years, you all help me as it pertains to ECU, and hopefully, you know, we help you uh, in terms of Navy. And I think that's why, you know, even though we're all busy, everybody's busy in life, you know, if we make time for each other, it helps bring those relationships forward. And even sometimes when they're, you know, maybe of just a professional nature, you all got to know him because you work with him. Uh, down in that area. So y'all got to know him very well. But I think even when you have professional relationships with people, you know, it allows you to get to know those people. But more importantly, those people can help you do your job better. And I think that's the thing that I always remember about Jeff is talking about, you know, ECU and talking about Navy and back then talking about ODU and talking about ECU and just talking about the colonial in general. Um, we all made each other better. And that's the one thing I'll always appreciate about uh, Jeff is the accessibility, the energy in which he brought all the time to those conversations. He always greeted you with a smile and think of, and as I think about, you know, obviously the most recent times we'd seen each other, this is a guy that was kicking cancer in the rear end, you know, multiple times and, you know, working so hard still to bring that same passion uh, for East Carolina athletics, it's just extraordinary. It really is um, to see what Jeff was able to do over the last few years. We all knew the medical battles that were going on, but that dude never lost his sense of enthusiasm for talking to you, 
And more importantly, he never lost uh, that passion uh, for the purple and gold. Yeah, going back to the early to mid-90s and really from the time he got here, and Dave, uh, you can chime in on this um, because um, you know, from 1988 on up through the 90s and perhaps to the early 2000s when East Carolina got on with someone like IMG, um, you know, Jeff was not only calling all the games and doing all that prep work, but he was also you know, selling ads and re recruiting new radio stations throughout the region, not only North Carolina, but into Virginia and South Carolina. Um, and I'm sure that's something that you could relate to as well, having having been at a radio station, as you referenced, in Norfolk as, as well as uh, since. But um, you talk about that energy, enthusiasm, accessibility. Um, I mean, I, I don't think a lot of folks realize how jam-packed his schedule was and uh, he, he still found a way to get it done. No yeah, I mean, and, and I think that, and, and I don't care what anybody says, and you all know this from, from being involved in the media, there's nothing harder than selling advertising. Oh, my God. There's no, I don't care. I don't care how many passionate people there are. We love ECU. Hey, could you give us $500 for the season? I, I don't know. You know, there's nothing harder than selling advertising and all the prep time you need to do the games and things of that nature. And when somebody does that, I have even greater respect for them. Um, you know, right now, hey, do I cut the commercials? Some of them, yeah. But I don't have to go out and sell them. When somebody has to do that, that is an extraordinary uh, accomplishment to be able to do both of those things uh, because it, it being told no sucks. There's nothing. There's nothing worse than being told no. But you're you're a big ECU fan, yeah. But I don't have five hundred. Sorry, Jeff. You know, but being able to do that, um, it, it takes an it takes a special person uh, to to be able to do the, those things. But again, I mean, what better voice would you want out there? What better person would you want out there to represent East Carolina athletics and to try and sell East Carolina athletics? I mean, yeah. I mean, at times the guy's probably better than people in the athletic department uh, doing it. So that, that just a, a, a tremendous guy, um, you know, and you, you feel for the family, the suddenness for the family uh, in, in situations like that. And, and obviously, you know, uh, I think, and I, I mean, I know what it means. I got players that come over to me and high five during the game, give me fest bumps, you know, during the warm up lines and think about how many, think about how many young men and women Jeff Charles had the opportunity to, you know, effect through the years to talk about get to know families i mean it's in the thousands uh by now uh with the the amount of people that he's encountered uh down there that have had the opportunity um to be blessed uh to know jeff and to have interactions with him no doubt about it pete one of my favorite stories of jeff charles uh that i want to tell is uh speaking of the colonial and you can relate to this so when East Carolina went to the big dance in 1993, we beat, knocked off Lefty Giselle. James Madison was the darling of the league um, at that time. And um, that would be 1993. So Jeff always told the story of East Carolina basketball has been so bad for, you know, uh, especially during that time. He always took one outfit because we would lose in the first round and then we're gone. And he comes back to Greenville. So he had, to, I think he had to buy a couple outfits. It was kind of crazy. And that was one of my favorite stories because Jeff was like one of those guys. He, he, he could literally, he's like a cat. You drop him and he could land on his feet. You know, 
Um, and I hate that. Uh, one other thing I will say about Jeff is that he didn't like it um, when I praised him. He didn't like that fuss. Like right now, he's probably in heaven right now going, God, Pete and Bubba, talk about the Pirates. Please talk about Navy. <laughs> Don't talk about me right now because he was kind of like behind the scenes kind of guy. But yet he was, like I was saying, so approachable. And when you said the right word for me uh, when it comes to ECU is ambassador, he was a great ambassador for the university, for the athletic department. And, uh, you know, right now, uh, Pete, the, I don't know if you know, the street in front of uh, Dowdy Franklin Stadium, uh, Williams Arena, Menjis Coliseum is Charles Boulevard. And there's a big push by the fan base. I even reached out to the mayor myself to make it Jeff Charles Boulevard um, because he meant so much. And uh, one more thing, too, is that he passed away at the age of 70. He would have been 71 in May. He was there half his life was in Greenville. I mean, think about that. One half of his life is in Greenville. And I, I don't know of anybody that, not that I'm looking for them, but I don't know anybody that disliked him. Everybody loved him. Um, and there's different, as you know, Pete, dealing with our fan base, there's different factions of the fan base. <laughs> it didn't matter if it's a lunatic fringe. It didn't matter who it was, the big donors, the, the people that take a shower after work uh, in the fan base. Everybody loved Jeff Charles. And it's a testament to, Every time he's at a gas station, every time he's at a restaurant, people would walk up to him and say, paint it purple. Um, they would say, go Pirates. And as soon as they said that, it was like a light bulb. And he started talking to them. Some people over the years, he met so many so many uh, times that he eventually obviously knew who they were. And he, his memory was so good. Like he, he remembered people. That's one of the things I've been fascinated. He met thousands of people. And he made you feel special because he remembered your name. And there's a lot of people that they could meet you 500 times and they still wouldn't know who you were. Yeah. I mean, and that's part of when you're with a fan base for that long. And I think, I mean, think about it, you know, and I know we got more teams straggling in, I think we're at 131 in division one football. But think about that. There's only 131 of those jobs. Okay. And when Jeff got started, that number was even smaller, okay? Right. And Jeff's had that job since 1988. I mean, think about that. It's what we all aspire to be, you know? I mean, I, when I'm five years old, I mean, I, I the one thing I want to do is be a play-by-play -play guy. It's the only thing I, I've wanted to do. And the fact that as competitive as this industry is, the fact that Jeff has been that loyal to that brand, because let's face it, the one thing through the years, loyalty's out the window, right? On both ends, okay. Right. Um, we, we've we've lived that, we've seen that uh, as as things have developed. Jeff stayed loyal to that brand since 1988, and that's why those relationships are as special as they are. And again, that's what makes it that's what makes it so difficult and so hard, you know. And, and you're right, you're right. Jeff, Jeff would make a fuss because we're making a fuss about him. You know, he was as humble as possibly could be. And I think, but that's why he's so likable. You know, there was not a pretentious bone in Jeff Charles's body no. at all. You know, and you mentioned it earlier, Dave, there are some people we come across in this industry. <laughs> okay. Who <laughs> they'll let you know they're a big deal. Hi. Yeah, they, they kind of give you that handshake. I'm a, big, I'm a really big deal. You never, ever 
I mean, you never got that from Jeff ever. And that's the one thing. And when I think about people like him, I try to be the same way. I try to be as approachable as possible because you never know. You never know when you may need that person for something. And I mean, maybe it's a small chance that that happens, but you don't want that person to go, well, why would I help your pretentious rear end? You know, but I tried to shake hands with you or say hi to you. You big time me. Anytime our fans, you know, want to say hi, take a picture, whatever. I always make time. Cause you know what? I mean, it literally sometimes only takes five or 10 seconds. Um, and I, I think that's what I, I'll appreciate about Jeff the most. Jeff was Jeff was the toast of the town in Greenville, but he never, ever, ever made himself bigger than the product. And that's the that's one of the great traits I think we'll all remember uh, about Jeff Charles. Yeah. And guess what, Dave? He, he worked under uh, five different athletic directors, Dave Hart, Mike Hamrick, Terry Holland, Jeff Comfer, and um, of course, John Gilbert. Yeah, I was thinking about um, I couldn't even I couldn't even drive when Jeff took the job. You know, I was getting my learner's permit when Jeff came or I barely had my learner's permit. That's and that was not last year. So um, and <laughs> you were talking about loyalty. I wanted to ask you that question. And I knew I couldn't remember how many years I know you've been there a long time at Navy. Are you and Jeff Charles, the Bob Harris is the world God. Uh, we're praying for him. He's going through a difficult time now the retired voice at Duke. Um, it's kind of like a fraternity for me. I love the, thank God for Sirius XM because I can listen to my friends like you, different ones all over the radio dial. But is that a, a thing of the past where you were talking about loyalty, where uh, Pete Medhurst is going to be here for a few years and then gone to Jeff Charles, or the, the new Jeff Charles or Pete Medhurst, they'll be here just a couple years and then they're like, see you later, I'm going to the next big thing. Yeah, I mean, think about it. My first, one of my first gigs when I was 18 years old, I was covering, I was covering Maryland games because they were in the ACC at the time uh, for the Tar Heel Sports Network. And, you know, I'll never forget, you know, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, my halftime report is on the same network as Woody Durham, (laughs) you know? Um, And obviously you see, you know, what Wes has been able to accomplish, but look at how long Woody obviously had worked uh, at North Carolina and Bob Harris is one of the nicest individuals on planet earth. Um, and you know, as you said, we're all praying for, for Bob, uh, that, you know, he can heal up here and just a genuine, just a genuine, nice guy. Every time we play Duke in anything, you know, again, all the time, uh, that you needed. But I I think to me, the, the loyalty factor, um, there's no question. I think, we see young broadcasters and, and I've heard some people tell these stories. I mean, you got some young broadcasters come out now and they think because they got the degree from Syracuse or somewhere else that, man, they should be, you know, the number one team at Fox or they should jump right into having a power five job and things of that nature. And some people are talented enough uh, to do that. And that's not just the pick at Syracuse. Cause there's people like that all over uh, the industry. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, my first game with Navy was November of 1997 and you know, I, and I think about, um, you know, I think about a Johnny Holiday who's been at Maryland uh, since I was a kid. You know, similar to the way you felt about Jeff, Rich Shavotkin, who does Georgetown. Um, you know, same time frame. I mean, uh, I grew up being a Georgetown fan, and a lot of it was because 
you know, all of a sudden the Big East popped up on Channel 5 and, and I was able to listen to Rich Shavotkin and Johnny Holiday. I mean, I, I, I'm yeah. blind lucky, man. I, I had Frank Herzog. I had Frank Herzog, Ron Weber, Rich Shavakin, Johnny Holiday as the voices of my childhood growing up because of our local teams uh, around here. And it's just just sensational. And I, I mean, uh, that's why in a, in a in a obviously in an area like yours, a guy like Jeff is going to be uh, long remembered uh, because of his loyalty uh, to East Carolina University staying there that long because Jeff talent wise could have gone anywhere in America. Oh yeah. He could have gone anywhere in America at any time uh, and gotten a job, but he stayed there as, you know, as I've, you know, stayed at the Naval Academy and I can't imagine, um, I can't like at this point, I, I can't even imagine leaving the Naval Academy to be honest with you. It's a good gig, no doubt. And, uh, you know, that's the thing I was thinking about when we're talking about loyalty and, and being there for, for that long a time. And, I think it's uh, the one thing as being a listener of you guys is the fact that for Saturday was so surreal. I think the game Bubba helped me out. I think it was the game being postponed. I think it was supposed to be at two o'clock. So you always know when those games, we look forward to sports, as you know, Pete, and it's like a, a pastime for us. And when you don't hear, it was just so surreal. You're expecting to hear the voice, even though we knew what happened Friday night. When I saw, I, I was at my parents' house and I looked up at a clock. And it's two o'clock and I was like, wow, I'm normally turn on the radio. I, uh, what I do for you guys, I turn the radio on and I turn down the sound on the television and it doesn't always match up. I really don't care. I want to hear my guy. I want to hear one of my friends do the call because I think the radio does a better job than television. That's a whole nother show, as they say. But it was really weird and it's going to be really difficult for the fan base, for Pirate Nation, not to every time we have a ball game like the next one. Um, my, one of my mentors, my first radio owner, Henry Hinton's going to do the game Wednesday night. He does a great job. He has for many, many years. It's just going to be really hard to go, wow, we don't have the voice anymore um, for that length of time. It was already going to be hard because we knew it was going to be close to retirement, but now it was uh, totally different. The uh, The movie had a different ending than we expected. So um, here we go. But, yeah, well, I mean, and, you know, before we conclude, I think the thing too is, the, the part you don't like about it is Jeff didn't get to call his own shot. Unfortunately, you know, uh, a medical issue, you know, uh, called his last shot. And he really didn't get to say, even in retirement, a proper goodbye, you know, to the, to the Greenville fan base. I mean, and that's, that's knowing, again, as a longtime voice of a team, that's the one thing that, you know, I'm sad for is Jeff didn't get to say goodbye to the people that, and let's face it, those people were loyal to him too, as loyal as he was to them. And that's the way Jeff would look at it. He would look at it as this community had been loyal to me all that time. And the fact that he didn't get to say goodbye to them the right way is, is, is very, there's no consolation, you know, for for this you know there's no there it's just it just seems so unfair uh and so improper uh in a situation like this because you know as humble as he was he would have wanted those people to know how much they meant to him and their support through the years and their friendship meant to him through the years 
And that's the one thing that that I feel for in this situation is he didn't get to say he didn't get to say that proper goodbye and show those people the appreciation that he had for them. No doubt, Pete. Thank you so much for speaking of someone that's very busy. I know that you're busy with radio and all the stuff you're doing, uh, but you took the time with us. It means a lot. And uh, next time you come on, I hope that you'll be talking about anything other than losing someone special like uh, Jeff Charles. But thank you for honoring him tonight. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again real soon, my friend. Always a pleasure, fellas. Always a pleasure. There you have the thoughts of Pete Medhurst, the play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipman and on the late Jeff Charles and relationship that he had had with the voice for approximately 30 years. Um, now let's go to our conversation with former East Carolina strength and conditioning coach Jeff Connors. Coach Connors, of course, had two separate stints at East Carolina from 91 to 2000, as well as 2011 through uh, the middle of 2019. Um, those who knew Jeff fairly well, knew his passion for working out. Uh, he spent a lot of time in the weight room. Uh, obviously, uh, while Coach Connors was in there, uh, maybe putting the football team through a workout or one of the other pirate uh, teams. But uh, let's go to that conversation right now with former ECU strength coach Jeff Connors. And right now on the sports objective on our Remembering the Voice, a tribute to Jeff Charles. Uh, we are joined by former ECU strength and conditioning coach Jeff Connors. Coach, we appreciate your time. Uh, hey, no problem, Bubba. Uh, great to contribute to this. You know, I got to ECU in the spring of 1991. And uh, as I said on Pirate Radio, you know, I, I met uh, Matt Maloney was one of the first people I met. And, of course, he was even back then very, very uh, good friends with Jeff Charles. And uh, Matt and Jeff would come to the weight room every day. And, uh, you know, they were big on upper body training and cardio. So I got to know them in that respect. And, of course, 1991 was a great year. And those guys, uh, you know, Jeff, Jeff was very excited, you know, every week. And we'd talk about who the upcoming opponent was going to be and, and how the last game went. And that's kind of how I got to know uh, Jeff Charles. And I really considered Jeff Charles to be part of the team back then. Uh, and I, I think I mentioned that, you know, that that ring that we got that said number nine in the country, which is something I'll treasure the rest of my life. Uh, I really hope that he got one of those. Uh, he was he was definitely part of the team. And uh, I enjoyed him and Matt Maloney coming in frequently and uh, developing developing a friendship with those guys. And I really believe that they exemplified the heart and spirit of the Pirates and what it meant to be a Pirate for years and years to come. They certainly did. And um, as you take a look at the voice, uh, Edge, as you mentioned, you arrived onto the scene there uh, prior to the 91 season. Jeff had arrived back in 1988. So he had that one year with um, Art Baker and then a couple with Bill Lewis prior to your arrival. But, man, uh, so many excellent memories for Pirate fans of that 1991 season. And, uh, you know, um, as various stations and so forth have done their uh, tributes to Jeff, 
Uh, it's yeah. been aw awesome hearing some of those calls from uh, all those years ago. Uh, well, I, I really, you know, when I woke up and saw this on Facebook, whatever day it was, I mean, I, I just, I didn't even believe it was real. So, uh, you know, Jeff was still a young man, uh, you know, had, had a lot in front of him, but at the same time, you know, we, uh, you know, I guess you could say respect God's decisions. And uh, Jeff was a friend to me in many, many ways. Uh, of course, you know, I left for 10 years and then came back. And then when I came back, it was I was so happy to see Jeff still a pirate because it made me feel like I was back home along with other, you know, a few other people who were mainstays in the pirate, I guess you could say, regime you know, such as Matt Maloney. Uh, but uh, Jeff really helped me in relationship to some of the challenges that I had uh, with some physical things that happened with me. Uh, but, you know, before that, I would say that one of the things that happened with Jeff is, you know, he lost a daughter in, a, in a, uh, an accident uh, on the road. And uh, I felt so bad about that. And I, what I found out then was Jeff had incredible faith because of the way that he dealt with that, the loss of his daughter, who was, I believe, 16 years old at the time. And I, you know, I'll never forget that. Uh, but I appreciated the fact that he had such a strong faith and he was so resilient to those, to such a, you know, a life, uh, you know, Tragedy, I guess you could say. Right. And then, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I had a little, little delay, coach. Yeah. And then when I, you know, when I came back to ECU, a um, little time elapsed. And then, you know, I saw Jeff upstairs in the Ward Sports Medicine building. And he told me what had happened with him with regard to his, uh, the things that happened with his cancer, of course. And uh, he was not in good shape and he was fighting really hard. And he was that same guy, you know, with great enthusiasm, a positive attitude. He was going to defeat this no matter what. And I really respected that about Jeff. As, uh, you know, it, it, to me, it was what it was about to be a pirate. I mean, and, you know, Pirate athletes can take something from that for sure. And so I went into something, you know, after that, a little bit, you know, with with myself, not, not to the level that Jeff had. Uh, but I had a melanoma, which I, you know, I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know exactly what a melanoma was. And Jeff had been out to, after his surgery, I believe, he had been out to Namaste out in Durango, Colorado. And I think he stayed a full month out there with what he believed in with uh, inter intravenous mistletoe, which originated in Germany to fight cancer. And so, you know, when I got the melanoma, he told me about this. And so, uh, you know, I took it to heart and I ended up planning a trip with my wife out to Durango and uh, this was after I had my surgery 
and I was basically cleared. But I had a melanoma. I had to go to oncology, all that type of stuff. I had, you know, I, I can't even tell you, you know, I, I, you know, it would take too long to tell you what I had been through in relationship to diagnosis. Uh, but at the same time, I was diagnosed with cancer. And so Jeff, after my surgery, even though I was cleared and my margins were good, I decided to go out there to uh, to Durango, Colorado, where he had been for like a month. A month. Now, this facility is run by... Uh, some incredible female doctors and massage therapists, uh, you know, all kinds of different therapy. And I went in there and got intravenous mistletoe every day, along with other treatments, acupuncture and so forth, uh, along with restaurants in the town that were very healthy, very healthy food choices. And then I also went out and worked out at the local gym. And the thing about it was, is that everybody in that town from Namaste to the gym knew who Jeff was, uh, which probably didn't surprise you because of what we knew about Jeff, because he was so enthusiastic, so positive, so enlightening to other people around him, uh, that it was, uh, Something surprising to me, but the, at the same point, not surprising. And uh, I recently called Namaste a couple of days ago to inform them about Jeff. I haven't heard back yet. Uh, but I really appreciated his advice to me, his enthusiasm to me during a time where I, you know, I felt a little bit down, of course, you know, not wanting to miss a morning workout when uh, Coach Montgomery was there and we were in winter conditioning and I had this bandage around my head with 42 staples in my head. And, uh, you know, Jeff was encouraging me to, hey, you're going to be all right. Uh, so that was, in my opinion, what Jeff was all about. Even though I left for 10 years, when I came back, he was that same guy. Same guy I knew from the peach ball season. Uh, where, you know, he was so excited from game to game where we'd win these games. And then you'd have all this excitement walking through the airports and so forth. He was a big part of that. And uh, we all knew that. And we respected him. Uh, you know, he was, you know, my buddy, the big guy who's been there forever, of course. Uh, those two guys, in my opinion, were kind of attached at the hip. They were very similar individuals. You know, big guy was someone who came in to work out with Jeff. Jeff was big on bench press, you know, so he bench pressed about 300 pounds, I think. Uh, which was very respectable, and we called him the strongest voice in America, and that's what, uh, what you know, what the big guy uh, referred to him as. And you know, the big guy was no no slouch himself. I mean, he was. Uh, I was very impressed, and still re impressed with Matt Maloney as far as 
as his positive enthusiasm. And, you know, he went out there and ran with, with uh, Bill Lewis and Bobby Slowick and, and those guys, you know, that ran every day down to the river and back. And they ran pretty good. Uh, but I'll never forget that day when Maloney smoked them by about 300 yards and Bill Lewis <laughs> did not like that. And so uh, that's how I remember Matt and Jeff and actually the athletes that we had could take an example from them in relationship to how much they respected the tradition of East Carolina and exemplified the tradition of East Carolina through uh, their enthusiasm and positivity. You talk about the adversity that Jeff faced, um, and um, he, he certainly did have the heart of a pirate. Um, the way he went about his business, uh, you would have never known it like if it, if it wasn't told to us, and just the way he uh, went about his broadcast. I know uh, back in, in 2013 when East Carolina basketball made that CIT run. Yeah. And, and uh, the doctors really probably didn't want him to go, um, but he was set on going to out to Utah to Weber State to, to call that game. And yeah. uh, and he did. And um, it sounded just like any of the, the rest of his um, memorable calls. And um, – and that run would have not been what it was had it not been with Jeff Charles uh, calling that game-winning shot and tournament-winning shot uh, by Akeem Richmond. And um, kind of going back there to the early 90s, you uh, you referenced his daughter passing away in the tragic car accident. I want to say it was December of 92. So right. you, had had, you had the high of the 91 season. And then there, uh, not even a year later, um, that tragic accident, and then, right. and then, just what three, three or so months later, the high of the um, March Madness uh, bid for East Carolina basketball, and um, just the way he he conducted himself and did his business um, uh, for ECU in the uh, in the Pirate Sports Radio Network, you would have never yeah. known some of the e extreme adversity he was going through. He says he's married to. Well, you know, East Carolina, you know, the, the big reason that I love East Carolina and we'll always love East Carolina is, you know, we, we're overachievers. We've got a chip on our shoulder. You know, we, I grew up like that in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, uh, Jeff was someone who believed in that. You know, uh, you know I mean, th this is what, East Carolina is all about. So uh, this is something that I will always treasure, always believe in. Uh, you know, with my experience at ECU for a total of 18 years, you know, something that I always enjoyed about East Carolina is the fact that, you know, you know, we were overachievers. We did have a chip on our shoulder and, uh, during the 90s, we played 51 Power 5 teams, and we, we won 25 or 26 games. So you could count on us to win half of those games. And, uh, you know, through 10 years, we played, you know, I'm talking about an average of five Power 5 teams every game. So, uh, you know, Jeff was with us all through that. Uh, that's a very special part of my life.
And, uh, you know, I, I'm so happy that he got to experience that. You know, and very similar to me, you know, I think Jeff kind of had the same mentality as myself. You know, uh, you know, he was a man of my own heart in that, you know, we're we're going to find a way to win. Uh, Jeff wanted to keep working. You know, he wanted to keep doing what he what he loved. You know, he passed away from what I understand uh, in New Orleans, you know, you know, which was very much unfortunate the way he passed away. But at the same time. You got to ask yourself, would he have had it any other way? Uh, because he was with the Pirates. He was doing what he loved to do with that same enthusiasm and positive attitude that he always had. And uh, you got to love that about the man, brother. No doubt. And uh, final thing I have for you, Coach. Um, obviously, you were in the trenches. Um for those games and um, they're on the sidelines. So um, they're in the nineties, you know, those calls weren't as readily available. You would hear a lot of them on the Steve Logan show. Um, then obviously on uh, during your, your second stint, you would hear some of those calls a little more easily. Um, you know, you, you would hear them on social media perhaps, or if you uh, tuned in to the, uh, the rough and McNeil show or Scotty Montgomery show, but uh, just, Talk about um, going back after the fact and hearing some of those calls of those um, those plays like the Pittsburgh game or the NC State game that you saw unfold there uh, on the sideline or, or perhaps from the press box. Well, I was in the press box that year. Uh, I was up there charting plays because I had not only been a strength coach, but I also had been a football coach. So that particular year, I was in the box charting plays. And, uh, you know, of course, the excitement that year was incredible. The pit game was probably the most incredible game that I had ever experienced in, in my history at East Carolina for 18 years. You know, we, we didn't have, uh, you know, we had that press box. We had whatever could fit in that stadium. I don't know, 35, 36,000, whatever it was. And uh, we had that big chip on our shoulder. And, uh, you know, our fans appreciated that. It was so loud in that stadium with that many people. It was actually, I mean, so incredible. And then when you, of course, when you listen to Jeff and, you know, the old phrase of, you know, we can paint it purple and, and what we went through that year with that, you know, I, you know, I will always treasure that number nine ring, but at the same time, I think that number nine ring should have been a number four or five ring. And uh, Jeff was a big part of that. So it was exciting. Uh, it was exciting to walk through the airport. It was exciting to come back from the peach bowl and see the, the, you know, the road line from Kinston to Greenville uh, you know, these are things that coaches like me will never forget and always treasure. And also, uh, Jeff was a big part of that, along with every coach. So uh, he will be missed tremendously. Uh, his 
enthusiasm and positive spirit will be appreciated forever in the minds of those who know anything about East Carolina University athletics. And uh, that's the way it'll go. We appreciate the memories. We appreciate the perspective uh, on Jeff Charles and, um, and coach certainly appreciate you being a part of the sports objective team and uh, everything you're doing with absolute empowerment each and every Monday night. Well, I appreciate that. We're going to try to bring a, we're going to try to bring a spiritual life to athletes and give them some perspective as to what it takes to be great. So I'm very excited about that. Thanks a lot. Higher Nation, former ECU strength and conditioning coach Jeff Connors. That'll do it for this edition of the Sports Objective. We appreciate the time of Pete Medhurst and Jeff Connors uh, for sharing their thoughts and perspective on the late Jeff Charles. Be sure to join us on Sunday night for extra innings as the Pirates take on George Washington in the season opening series. We'll have that look back at the first three games of 2023 as well as a look at ECU softball as the Pirates are off to a 5-2 and two start with more games to come this weekend down in Conway at the Coastal Carolina Tournament. We appreciate everyone tuning into the show. And as always, uh, we appreciate your support of the program. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Go Pirates. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.